Welcome to the Learning Scientist Podcast, a podcast for teachers, students, and parents about evidence-based practice and learning. The Learning Scientist Podcast is funded by the Wellcome Trust. Hi, I'm Dr. Yana Weinstein, a professor at UMass Lowell. And I'm Dr. Megan Samaraki, a professor at Rhode Island College. And together, we co-founded The Learning Scientists. We apply cognitive psychology to education for teachers, students, and parents. And in this episode, we're talking about effective learning strategies specifically for parents to use to help their children learn new information. So earlier this month, we did a longer podcast episode where we talked about two of the most important strategies for effective learning that parents could use with their children or that parents might notice their children using at school if the teachers are implementing these strategies. The first one we talked about was spaced practice. This is the opposite of cramming. It's the idea of spacing out studying for weeks or even months before uh, tests or exams so that information is revisited multiple times across a stretch of time rather than just in a few hours right before the quiz. And in addition to talking about spacing, we talked a little bit about interleaving, which is this idea of jumbling up the topics that you're trying to learn. So your child might have homework assignments where they're getting a bunch of older problems in addition to some newer problems, or they might just have topics that are all mixed up. And this is leveraging interleaving, which can be really helpful for students to learn. Or you might encourage your child to do this by just having them jumble up the different topics or even talking about similarities and differences between two topics, such as World War I and World War II, where they might actually need to differentiate between them later on, but they might have been learned in isolation. The other strategy that we talked about is retrieval practice. This is the idea of bringing information to mind from memory. And this is a study strategy that can be compared to, for example, reading and rereading, which children and older students all tend to do a lot, but it's actually less effective than retrieval practice. And so with these two strategies and then three, if we consider interleaving, you can really help your children to learn and study more effectively at home. And you might notice that your children are utilizing some of these strategies within the work they're being given by their teachers, even if their teachers aren't necessarily calling it interleaving or spaced practice or retrieval practice. There are three other strategies that have a fair amount of evidence from cognitive psychology to suggest that they're effective for student learning. And we wanna talk a little bit about those three strategies today. Again, so that you might, as a parent, be able to encourage your children to utilize these strategies when they're studying or doing their homework. And also so that you might be able to recognize if your children are already doing these things because the teachers or even the larger school that your children goes to are implementing them. And these strategies are called elaboration, concrete examples, and dual coding. We're going to talk about elaboration first. Elaboration can mean many different things. At a basic level, it's just the idea of adding new information to previously learned information. Elaboration can be done in many different ways. So even if you're just talking to your child about something they learned at school, and then you're talking sort of around it rather than them just reciting what they learned, which is unlikely, 
there the child is doing elaboration because they're adding new details and new information to something that they already learned. And another cool way that you can help your child engage with elaboration at home is to ask them if they can think about ways the things that they're learning relate to their own lives or things that are happening maybe at home with your family or friends and neighbors, things along those lines. So of course, it's going to depend on the specific topic that your child is studying. But if they're learning about something, say gravity, you might ask your child how gravity relates when you're playing basketball, if you're throwing the ball into the hoop, or whatever is going on in your own life or your child's life that you think might relate to what they're learning. Even if the connection is a little bit loose, it'll get your child to start thinking about the the ideas and the ways that they connect, and they might even be able to bring some of these um, connections back to the classroom and talk to their teacher about them. The researchers looked into one particular strategy for encouraging elaboration, and that's elaborative interrogation. So what that involves is asking how and why questions about how things work. And so ideally, the child would even come up with their own how and why questions. So for example, let's say you're talking about gravity and playing basketball, and then you say, oh, let's imagine what would happen if you were trying to play basketball in space and then the child might think might start thinking to themselves okay how would that work what would happen well you wouldn't really be able to do it why not and so these are ways that you can probe your child to think about these scenarios and to answer these quite difficult questions in order to produce elaboration actually i recently bought a few books for my five-year-old that say on the front how and why things work and they have different um, versions of the book they well, they have ones about space they have ones about dinosaurs and it's a lift the flap book and you actually go through it and under the flaps there's explanations for how and why things work and she loves that children naturally tend to wonder how and why things work but sometimes we just have to prompt them to think about it a bit more especially if it's classroom material that they may not realize could be interesting and applicable to their real life and this idea of elaborative interrogation can connect directly to retrieval practice that we discussed last time where the children might be asking these how and why questions or you might ask them the how and why questions and if they're utilizing retrieval practice they're thinking back and coming up with the answers from memory of course your child might not be ready for that quite yet and so if you're asking these how and why questions and the child doesn't know or maybe this is something they haven't gone through in school yet you might start to look up the answers either online with your supervision depending on how old they are or you know in books that you might have or maybe even asking the teacher these questions so that they're engaging with the material and getting excited about the material The next strategy we're going to talk about is concrete examples. The idea of concrete examples is to take abstract ideas that your children might be trying to understand at school and to provide them with lots and lots of very specific, easier to understand, concrete examples that they can then apply to those ideas. So here is a concrete example of a concrete example. Let's say your child is learning about scarcity in school. And we talk about we talk about scarcity as an abstract idea and concrete examples all the time. And one concrete example of scarcity is the idea that as you get closer and closer to when a, a flight is going to take place, The seats on the plane are becoming more and more rare, they're becoming scarce, and the this tends to drive up the cost of the particular airline tickets and so this is a concrete demonstration of the idea scarcity and it's really important for um, 
our children to get as many different types of concrete examples as possible because it's easier for them to remember concrete examples, but we don't want them to latch on to the surface details and not realize what the underlying idea is. So if we gave our children this example of scarcity related to airline tickets, uh, the children who maybe are not experts in the idea of scarcity might then just think, oh, well, scarcity has to do with airlines or scarcity has to do with tickets or seats and not realize that scarcity can relate to all types of things, including other types of tickets, other types of goods you might purchase, even natural resources such as water or food. And so by giving a lot of different concrete examples, it helps the children to really get the underlying idea. So you can help your children to gather these concrete examples by maybe mentioning something that occurs to you when the child is talking about an abstract idea. You could say, oh yeah, that's like when, and come up with something from your everyday life or from another situation. Maybe even a movie that you're watching or whatever. If something comes up that relates to what your child is studying, you can link it by giving that example. Now, the linking is very, very important. And so another thing that you can do is if um, you're having trouble coming up with concrete examples or maybe your child is having trouble, you might take some of the concrete examples that was already provided to the child by the teacher and ask your child to explain how the concrete example sort of links up to that abstract idea. So maybe this airline example came from the teacher and your child is telling you about that concrete example and scarcity. And you might say, well, how does that illustrate scarcity? And really try to make the link between the different ideas. So the idea that the cost is driving is being driven up by the fact that those seats are becoming more and more rare. And then from there, you might be able to come up with some other concrete examples. But the idea is for the child to really understand that it's not the concrete example that is the abstract idea. It's just an example of the abstract idea. And we could come up with many other examples. And ultimately on tests or other types of assessments, recognizing those abstract ideas in other examples is often really necessary in order to demonstrate that you truly understand an idea. And the last strategy that we're going to talk about is dual coding or this idea of combining different formats, specifically words and visuals. So the idea behind dual coding is that when we learn information in these two formats specifically, so words, verbal, and images that come without words, when those are combined, that gives the student or child two ways to remember the information later on. So for example, if they've learned an explanation of gravity and they forget that, if they saw a picture of how that works or a diagram, they may remember that diagram and be able to reconstruct some of the words that go with it and then be able to still answer an exam question about gravity. So you can encourage your child to utilize dual coding by taking verbal descriptions, maybe from a book or some worksheets that they've been given in school, and maybe drawing or finding pictures that go along with it and connecting the words and the pictures. And you could also take pictures that maybe represent specific ideas and have the child go through and verbally explain how that picture represents the idea. So really getting them to make the connection between the two different types of formats. 
And this is an area too where if you have a child that likes to draw or likes artwork in some way that they can really sort of engage with that cre- creativity and create visual representations of the information that they're learning. But of course, this isn't just for kids who like to draw or who like to paint or whatever. The drawings do not need to be pretty or um, particularly good in order for dual coding to work. And in fact, sometimes if we just have really quick sketches of the idea, it can be really valuable later on to go back to that picture that we drew and say, wait, what was I trying to draw? What was going on? You could even sort of get creative with your child and help draw with them, even if you're not particularly good at art. The point is not to draw a really pretty picture. The point is to produce something that demonstrates the idea in a visual way. And a very important thing to note is that this strategy is not only for children who feel like they are a visual learner. Sometimes we might think, oh, my child is a visual learner because a particular picture in a certain scenario helped them understand something. But actually what's most likely to be happening is that words alone tend to be fairly abstract. So if an idea is difficult to understand with words alone, adding a concrete visual representation is very helpful to understanding and learning. And it's also somewhat rare to find useful pictures that are not accompanied by any words at all. And so oftentimes when we have diagrams that go along with some sort of verbal representation or verbal description of what's going on, we think, oh, the pictures are helping. And that's true, but the words are helping as well. It's both formats together. So your child may have a preference. They may like reading and writing or they may like drawing and visual representations and the preferences are fine it's just important to remember that that doesn't mean your child learns best under those circumstances but to the extent that maybe their preference isn't being met at school quite as much they can engage in some of those things at home and that's going to be really really helpful to them So we've talked about elaboration, concrete examples, and dual coding, and the ways that you can help your children utilize these strategies at home. You might also recognize your child engaging in these things at school um, because their teacher gave them to you. So if you see your child with worksheets that are asking how and why questions, if you see the children with a lot of different concrete examples, or even coming home with diagrams and visuals put together, then the child is utilizing these strategies at school. The teacher may not necessarily call it these particular terms. These are terms that cognitive psychologists use. And while we all talk to each other back and forth about the different terminology, sometimes other names for these things crop up. But as long as they're engaging in these types of processes, the children are benefiting from these effective learning strategies. In this podcast episode, we talked about three strategies for effective learning that you can help your kids use. And those were elaboration, concrete examples, and dual coding. This episode also goes along with the previous one, where we talked about space practice, retrieval practice, and interleaving. In the podcast show notes, we'll link to the resources that relate to each of these strategies so that you can look into them further. You can find all the resources on our website, www.learningscientists.org. And if you have children who are a little bit older and are starting to take control of their own learning, you might recommend that they take a look at the downloadable materials section of our website because we have some information about how students can use these strategies on their own to study for tests and exams or other types of assessments. Thanks for listening. Bye. 
The Learning Scientist podcast is funded by the Wellcome Trust.